Welcome, guys. How is everybody? Been an awesome place to be so far. Just going to get better, I promise, and it's not because of me. So, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of setting up here real quick. Don't get distracted by what you're getting ready to see. A little bit different this morning. Uh, welcome everyone who came this morning uh, in person and online. I am 100% confident today that probably maybe for the first time we may have more people watching online right now live than what we actually have in the congregation. Uh, as many of you all know, you know we had th three folks with COVID. Uh, keep praying for Dwight. He is getting better. He wasn't able to make it today because he's still in quarantine. But continue to keep them in your prayers. Uh, Medora's feeling better, but she doesn't have a whole lot of strength, so pray for her. And uh, Jay's doing just fine, which that doesn't that, that makes sense to everybody, right? He's stubborn, and he ain't going to let sickness bring him down. So, <laughs> No, but we're, we're thankful. Um, while we are uh, waiting, Chris, if you don't mind... If you can uh, help me out here real quick. I think that uh, props can be very fitting. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll show you guys in a little bit, obviously. You're going to see what all this is. Some of it you already see. But I'm ho hopefully I can get this on the screen to where everybody can see it. And hopefully this deer skull cooperates. While we're, uh, the kids, you all can go ahead and go to class. I'm getting ready to forget that. So you all are dismissed. You may want to stay since you see the deer skull up here and everything. But you guys can go ahead and head up. You just about got stuck with me here today. You're about ready to listen to the whole message. But what I want to say is, is this. There was a reason why that we weren't here last week. And I truly believe the reason why is because Satan doesn't want this message to be heard. And I, I truly mean that. Um, like I said, it's not me. I, I know that this is a word of the Lord. Like, it, like we all take this very seriously. Like we all know when we get up here on Sunday morning that it's a word from the Lord. So... Before I get started, I'm going to do a brief introduction and throw a little curveball this morning. Um, I'm not the only one speaking today. And uh, I don't have an uh, introduction to read off of a sheet here or anything like that. And I'm not going to say a whole lot to not let the cat out of the bag. But uh, here's what I will say about this person that's getting ready to come up. And this is what means more than anything, in my opinion, about this person. This person makes me a better Christian, plain and simple. The way that they walk, the way that they think, and the way that they talk, it makes me want to be better, and it makes me want to do better, and it, wants, it makes me want to be more like Christ. So I'm going to go ahead and bring that person up. Uh, you can go ahead and come on up. You know who you are.
me move my stuff out of the way here. Yep. Thanks, Chris. I'm going to take that off for a minute. Um, so this is not me. I hate doing this. Um, I'm super, super nervous. And I'm glad that most of you are watching online and are not here in front of me. Um, two weeks ago during worship, um, the praise team was singing the song um, Rattle. And in that song, it says things like, um, I'm going to live and live again, and I have resurrection blood flowing through my veins. And during that, I was just like thinking, what does that really mean? And I felt this um, pressing is the only way I know how to describe it, but this pressing to look around. And so I did, and I, the question came through my mind, how many of us in this room are Christians? And the immediate answer was most of us. Um, and so then I started thinking about that live line again, and I'm thinking, what does it mean? And and are we really alive, those of us who call ourselves Christians in this room? And again, the immediate answer came to me, and it was, no, we're not living. We're not portraying ourselves as alive, as on fire. And uh, that kind of hit me hard. Me, It was me and, and, and not just, like, certain people, but me too. Um, and the song went on, and there's this line in the song about the man, ask the man who was thrown on the bones of Elisha. And that just stuck with me during worship, during the rest of worship, even into Jay's message that was sticking with me. And I thought, have I ever read that part of the Bible? Have I ever read that story in the Bible? I don't know that I had. So I just felt this pressing that during service two weeks ago, I was supposed to do something or say something or get up here and share. And I'm like, oh, but I don't know what, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I don't want to be up there. Lord, I don't like doing that. And, uh, but I was like, okay, I feel like I'm supposed to. And this Elisha story keeps coming into my head. So I quickly Google where, where to find that story. And, uh, it's in second Kings and it's in, um, 2 Kings 13, verses 20 and 21. So just two short verses about this man. It says, Elisha died, and they buried him. Bands of Moabites invaded the land in the spring of the next year. As a man was being buried, as a man was being buried, such a band was seen coming, and the man was cast into Elisha's grave. And when the man being let down touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. Two verses. That's it. So I'm like, well, Lord, that's not a lot to go off of. And trying to work through, like, I know I feel this feeling. I know I'm supposed to say something. Um, but I just couldn't get the words together. I couldn't get the thoughts formed in my head. And I told TJ, I was like, maybe it's the teacher in me. Uh, I have to have a plan. I need to know what I'm going to say and when I'm going to say it, how I'm going to say it. Uh, so I didn't come up here two weeks ago and say anything. Because I didn't. I really, truly didn't know. I just knew that I had this pressing feeling. It had something to do with this man being cast on the bones of Elisha. So TJ, we were talking, and he was like, you need to pray about it. You need to figure out what you're supposed to say um, if you really feel like that. And um, 
And I said, I do, I do feel like that because as I looked around and I had that thought of most of us in this room aren't living, I, I know I'm supposed to say something. I have to address it. That song was about dry bones, and TJ, I feel like we are dry bones, and we can't be dry bones. And he said, well, you need to figure it out. So, uh, With I the Holy Spirit's help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, so got somewhere where I could read more of 2 Kings 13. I read the whole chapter and was like, okay, still don't know what I'm supposed to say. Okay. Uh, and then I read it again. And I'm going to start at verse 14 and read down through um, the end of the chapter. And I'll do my best with the pronunciation of these names. Um, so verse 14. Now Elisha had become ill of the illness of which he died. And Jehoash, king of Israel, came down to him and wept over him and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen of it. And Elisha said to him, Take bow and arrows. And he took bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hand upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window to the east. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria, for you shall smite the Syrians in Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, Strike on the ground. And he struck on the ground three times, and he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had destroyed it. But now you shall strike Syria down only three times. Elisha died, and they buried him. Bands of Moabites invaded the land in the spring of the next year. As a man was being buried, such a band was seen coming, and the man was cast into Elisha's grave. And then the man being let down touched the bones of Elisha. He revived and stood on his feet. Hazel, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoaz. But the Lord was gracious to them and had compassion on them and turned toward them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and would not destroy them or cast them from his presence yet. Hazel, king of Syria, died. Ben-Hadad, his son, reigned in his stead. Jehoash, son of Jehoaz, recovered from Ben-Hadad, son of Hazel, the cities which he had taken from Jehoaz, his father, by war. Three times Jehoash defeated him and recovered the cities of Israel. So a lot of history right there, a lot of uh, Bible and Israelite history that I'm not... Uh, studied up on enough to really teach about but something stuck out when I read that that second time through last or a couple weeks ago and it's weird to me that this story of Elisha's bones is right here in the middle of all this history um, and that you know he we get this he tells this king what to do these instructions and he gets mad at the king then he dies and then a year later, the man's thrown on his bones. And I'm like, Lord, why are you, you know, why am I here? Why is this what you have for me? And then just clear as day, it hit me that we are like this king. And, you know, we, we're here. We do what we're told. We know that we're called. We, we love the Lord. We're good to our neighbors. We're good to our friends. We read our Bible. We pray. We do all the right things. Just like the king, he um, he obeyed Elisha. He took a bow and arrow, and he opened the window, and he shot, and he he did all of the things. 
even when it comes to striking the ground in verse 18, Elisha told him to strike the ground. There was not a specific number of times to strike the ground, just strike the ground. And so the king did three times. And then Elisha gets angry. And this is where it hit me that like the hardest uh, a couple weeks ago was we do the right things. We know what to do. And we're following the instruction. But we're only striking three times. And we have more in us to strike with or to give um, or to do. And, you know, Elisha said, if you would have struck five or six times, Elisha knew how much fervor or energy or passion or purpose this king had within him. Elisha knew that. I believe Elisha knew that because he got mad at him for not giving his all. So are we giving our all? We go through the motions. We're here. And what hit me during worship a couple weeks ago is some of us can't even mouth the words. Anthony was, you know, getting you guys this morning saying that if it was a sports team, if this was a game, you'd be, you'd be cheering. And that's what I'm saying, too. Like, we can't even mouth the words. It's more than worship. It's our whole lives. We are called to live. And in, in that song, it talked about having the resurrection power. And in Ephesians, it says, you know, that we are made alive and new in Christ. Mm-hmm. We do have his resurrection power in us. Mm-hmm. But are we living like it? Are we giving this life that we have in this walk with Christ? Are we giving it our all? Mm-hmm. I'm not. I want to, and I'm going to start, and that's why I'm up here, because I knew I was supposed to say something, and I'm not going to sit on it. I have to come up here and say something, but I just want to encourage you guys. Don't let it be said of you that you only struck the ground three times. When you know, and the Lord knows, you had more to give. Live with your full purpose, with the full passion that the Lord's put into you, um, and I'm speaking that to myself and to you, but I really felt like the Lord told me that I needed to encourage all of us. Don't, don't strike three times and stop. Strike five or six or seven or eight or until the arrows break. Give it your all. So, thanks. We could just quit right there, go home. Anthony's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm extremely thankful. Uh, I don't know if y'all know this, but she didn't even look at her notes. So the Holy Spirit spoke through her. Uh, she nailed it. And it's not because of her, it's because of him that I'm thankful. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask Carl uh, to pray for me. You can just stay in your seat there, brother, if you want, or come up, whatever you want to do. Amen. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, Lord, that the name of Jesus is declared in this place. We thank you, Lord, for this challenge this morning that we all have more to give, Lord. We can all push a little harder. We can all give a little more. And 
Lord, whatever that looks like, I pray that you would stir in each and every one of us. And right now, Father, as TJ begins to speak, Lord, I know he's studied. I know he's prepared, Lord. I know you have been working on him. And even, even in having an extra week now, Lord, we know that you've been dumping things into his spirit. And I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, Father, that you would just bring out everything you need to say to us this morning. Lord, we know that you are always speaking. Father, give us ears to hear. Lord, help us to listen. Help us to be receptive. Father, tune us in right now to what you wish to speak. And I pray, Lord, anoint TJ for everything that you have this morning for us through him. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Love you, brother. Thank you. All right, we'll get started here. Uh, Anthony was joking around with me before service and said, hey, let's keep it to 30 minutes. So, uh, man, I didn't bring my phone up here, and I don't have a clock, so we might be a little past 30 minutes. So, anyway, uh, may have to change your Bob Evans plans. But, no, let's get serious here. Uh, I'm excited about the word that, that my wife had. It goes absolutely 100% hand-in-hand. And, and I'll say again, welcome to everybody here. Welcome to those watching online. We've got some folks in South Carolina watching. Uh, I've got uh, my dad's online. Uh, Mom, you came, so you, you win today. Sorry, Dad. Uh, but uh, I've got uncles watching, great uncles, aunts probably watching, uh, buddy I used to work with. And there's going to be a lot of people that they're not listening to it right now. They're going to listen to it later. Uh, and I just pray that the Lord, like Carl said, I pray that God anoints me and he speaks through me and that, that I don't say anything that I shouldn't and say everything that I should. So we'll get into it here. Uh, make sure my props are good. Hopefully we can see this online. Uh, some of you are like, what in the Sam Hill is he getting ready to do? So uh, I'd be thinking that too if I were you. So I'm going to go ahead and flip open the scripture here. It is extremely fitting where we were today uh, as far as the worship. Uh, it was old school, wasn't it? Man, it was awesome. Um, we're going old school today. Madora already did. Uh, she's already in the Old Testament today and gave us the word we needed to hear. So uh, I'll pray real fast and then we'll get started. Lord, I just pray that uh, you would open up our ears to hear, Lord. Lord, that you would make our hearts uh, maybe for the first time in a long time, that you would, you would make them pliable, that they would be soft. Lord, there's some listening right now. There's some in here right now. Our hearts are hard, and we don't want to change. But, Lord, I pray that you would do the changing right now by your Spirit, that you would speak through me, that everything would make sense, that it would drive home like never before. Ultimately, that you would be glorified, that people would be saved, and that lives would be changed. And I just praise your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we are going to start in the beginning. If you have your Bibles, you'll want to follow along with me today. Uh, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 2, verse 26. That's Genesis, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. The scriptures aren't going to be up on the screen uh, except for one. There was just so many today. But follow along if you have your Bibles. Here's how this is going to work. There's going to be a lot of scripture. I'm going to break a lot of this scripture in Genesis down. None of this is complicated. This is very basic. But 
we're no different than what Adam and Eve was. The human condition has not changed since they were created. Things are really about the same as they are now as far as our free will and the decisions that we have to make. They may not have cars and have to get gas at $4.99 a gallon or whatever. Uh, they, may not, they may not have Kroger, but as far as the human condition and the decisions that they had to make, they are no different than what they are for us individually today. So here's my, here's my thing. If you're hearing my voice, if you're watching online live, or if you're listening to it in the car later or wherever, or if you're here and you can hear me, every single one of us today that can hear my voice, myself included, has got to make a decision today. No ifs, ands, or buts. We're going to make a decision here later. So let's go ahead and get into the scripture here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 is what we're going to read right now. And I'm going to uh, do my best to get through these, explain them properly. And like I said, we're going to read a lot of scripture at first, and then we're going to get to one key verse, and we're going we're to really drive that home later. So this is out of the NLT. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So just to break this down a little bit, and like I said, this is not complicated stuff here, but this is important. We are created in the Trinity's image. We see that in verse 26. What's the Trinity? That's God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were all three there before the earth came into existence. Is that hard to understand? Absolutely. But we have to have faith. I, because I'm saved, I have faith that, that they were there. If, if you're not saved, it doesn't surprise me that you don't believe that. Okay? So... But we are to be like the Trinity. We were created in his image. We are to be like him. And God said us. God said you. So if you are breathing, God created you to be like him. If you are saved, you should be like him. If you're not saved, God wants you to be like him, but you're not saved yet. So we'll get to that later. Let's continue in verse 28 through 31. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for food, and I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. So he tells, he tells man, he's not created man yet, but, but his, uh, his command to us is be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over all the animals. And God, before he ever created man, he gave man everything that he needed. Isn't God that way? He gives us everything we need. 
So let's go to, we're going to skip some of chapter 2 here. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 2. I'm calling it verse 4 and a half. Maybe that's sacrilegious, but that's where we're going to start. So at least in my Bible, that's the way it is. So pick up with me here. Verse, chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living purpose. So God physically, and like guys, we've heard this a million times, but God breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. I want you all to just think about that for a second and how awesome that that would be. And what I want to say to this point is, is you guys are here for a purpose. And uh, sorry, parents, for what I'm getting ready to say, if this brings up conversations, but I feel like I need to. You know, and I've said it in youth before. You guys are here for a reason. And maybe I'm absolutely crazy, and I'm fine with that if you think that I am. Uh, I've got a buddy listening right now in South Carolina. He's crazy, and he don't care, so I don't either. Um, We we should be a little bit crazy. But, But think with me seriously, though. How long did it take us to get pregnant with Addie? One year? What about Warner? Two years? What about Tucker? Less than a month. That was a shame, but anyway, that's a whole other story. (laughs) But one year it took us, and this is going to hit home for uh, Carl and Becky, man. Y'all need to ask them about their testimony of their son. But one year it took us to get pregnant with our daughter. Two years with our son. Less than a month with the third one. And... The reason why I say that is, and this is going to sound nuts to some of you, but just please listen with me here and just keep an open mind. One sperm, one egg. That creates a human, okay? Had we have got pregnant one month sooner or one month after, it would have been a different child. So think about that for a second. You know, all three of our kids are here for a purpose, and it is a godly purpose, and the same can be said of every single one of you, some of you all here, you may not even know your father, some of you here, you may not even know your mother, Uh, I didn't know I was going to go down this route, but you have a heavenly father that loves you, and that has you here for a purpose, all right, let's continue, I feel the Lord on that one there. All right, Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. Let's continue here. We've got a lot, to, a lot to read in Genesis. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made, the Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So once again, we see God provided everything. 
trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. There was absolutely no lack of food. Uh, I think this is fitting for this time because, you know, they are saying uh, we're probably not going to feel it as bad in the United States, but, uh, and I'm not embellishing the situation, but be in prayer for these people. Uh, Ukraine is a big exporter of grain. And, you know, I'm hearing on the news that there, there is legitimately going to be probably millions of people that will die very soon if ships are not allowed out of the Ukraine with grain. Africa uh, is going to be extremely hard hit, and that, that's, that's where we're living today. I say that because in the garden, they had everything that they needed. It was all there. The Bible calls out two trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good, the, the, tree, of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, two trees. So for representation purposes today, I'm going to uh, use two pieces of fruit. And this, this fruit right here, pretend it's from Eden, this is an avocado for those of you all who maybe can't see online, but it says California, but let's pretend it says Eden on here, okay? So this is an avocado. This is going to represent the tree of life, and for representation purpose, this is, what, this is going to represent Jesus. And for my mother-in-law, this is for you, just so you know, an avocado has more potassium than banana. So this is one of the most healthy foods, and I'm not kidding here, that you can eat. All right? So we all, we all know what this is, right? Okay? I'm going to hide it because I actually took a permanent marker and wrote on this. But for this right here, this is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This is what's going to represent that is the apple. So on one side, and this is what we, you know, I don't want to embellish this because I'm going to get to it later, but on one side, in case you can't see, it says sin on the apple. And on the other side, it actually says good. Okay? Sin and good. We only think about the sin, honestly, a lot of times. We don't think about the good. And some of you are like, what do you mean? What, what do you mean by good? We'll get to that here in a second. But good can be anything that we put before God or anything that we think about more than God. That's what, that's what good is. I'll say that again. Anything that we put before God or anything that we think about more than God. And so you guys know, I feel like I need to share this. My son is 100% convinced, and one day I hope he doesn't listen to this because then he's going to say, why'd you lie to me, Dad? But he's 100% convinced that if he ate this, it'd kill him. I, I told him that, I, 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 he's like, hey, I want to hold this out in the car when we're going to the church. And I'm like, okay, you can. But I said, don't eat it. He said, why? I said, I put poison in it. I said, you'll die if you eat it. And he's like, he, he's dead. He thinks I'm serious, doesn't he? Okay. But here's what's funny, and we'll get to this in the story a little bit. But he's like, well, Dad, will it really? And you're going to see here in a minute that this goes right along with the word this morning. He's like, will it really? You know, will it really? 
and, and that, this'll, that'll, that'll make more sense here in a minute. So I'm going to put these back over here just for now, and we'll continue. Genesis chapter 2, verses 10. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden, and then dividing it into four branches. So we see here that Eden was absolutely extremely fertile, and that it gave life to surrounding areas. A lot of this stuff you could do a whole separate sermon on, but we're not going to do that today. But uh, Eden had everything they needed, and it was the most fertile land you know, in the world at that time. So let's go to verse 15 through 17. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. That's why I told Warner that, but anyway, just kidding with him. Then the Lord God said, hold on, I need to back up there. Don't listen to what I just said on verse 18. Let me read that again. Then the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So, God placed man. God put man in the garden. God ordained him to be there. He gave him everything that he needed to watch over the garden. And God is the one who supplied Adam's strength. Uh, I just want to tell a quick story. You know, it's, a, it's just a God taking care of us. Um, Medora tested positive uh, this you know Monday um, and I'm like well I watch the three kids I, I'm blessed with a job that I just texted my boss and I said hey boss wife tested positive I'm going to work from home this week no reason to expose other people that don't need to be the kids can run like crazy and tear down the house and I'll work at the same time we still have a house by the way which I'm thankful for but uh, that they were very good um, but Early in the week, I was like, God, it's probably midweek. I should have prayed this on Monday. But midweek, a whole lot wasn't happening. You know, a whole lot at work wasn't happening. You know, we've got to provide for our family, right? Uh, everything's just not, you know, money don't grow on trees. Uh, so we've got to provide for our family. So probably midweek around Wednesday or so, I just prayed like, Lord, you know, make something happen today. Just I pray that you, you, would, you would work all things out, okay? So Friday, the last day, about 1.30, I get a call. I answer. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who the customer is in case there's competition. Listen to this, sorry. Um, I don't want to lose a sale. But uh, in all seriousness, though, this customer, I had followed up with them about a month or two ago, and I sold them a product. I thought they may need it again, and they told me a month or two, nah, we're, you know, we're, we're good. I'm like, okay, great. The guy calls me like 1.30 on Friday and says, hey, you know, how much is our new price for X, Y, Z? And by the way, we need the answer this afternoon. And I'm like, what? And this isn't just something out of the box. Like, there's work that has to be done for this. So I'm like, okay, cool. And 
long story short, it's a, it would be a massive sell. I would make probably one or two of these per year. That's it. And this happened on the last day of, of quarantine at the house. While I'm on the phone with this customer, another person that I do a lot of business with, he's, trying, he's ringing me at the same time. So he leaves me a voicemail. I'm still on the phone with this other guy that called first. And to make a long story short, I call the other customer, and he's like, hey, so-and-so company, they may need a compressor for every single location, which is like 20 or 30 compressors, which is a monster sell. And I just say that because God still today is taking care of us. If we are willing to ask that he works on our behalf, here's what I'll tell you all. You all can't do anything. You can't. People on, online, you can't do anything. God is the provider. God expects us to get up. He expects us to do what we can. But ultimately, the blessings come from him. So, all right, we'll continue. Man, that could, that could preach a message on that there. So, we see verse 17 here. I'll read it again. Except the tree, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So we see, we see one no. That's it. Just one no. Everything else is a yes. One no. And on the way here, I asked, uh, as Warner was holding the apple, and you know, he'd asked me that question, well, you know, will it really, and you know, all that. Uh, I said, Addie, do you sometimes want to do things that I tell you not to do? And you know what she said? Didn't think about it, didn't skip a beat. Yes. I said, Warner, do you want to do something? Do you want to do things sometimes that daddy and mommy tell you not to do? Yes. It's in our nature, guys, from the beginning. We all have free will and we have a choice to make. All right, so let's continue. We're still in chapter 2. We're going to go through 18 through 25. Just stay with me here, guys. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Now let the man and his now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. So God says in eighteen through twenty five here that it's not good for man to be alone, so he created a woman to be a helper. One just right for him, the Bible says. And it also says that both the man and his wife were naked. And they felt no shame. 
Um, just remember that last part, okay? They felt no shame. That's very important. So we see so far, they were literally in paradise. They were with God, and he gave them all that they needed. Let's go to chapter 3, and this is where the story kind of goes south, and paradise is soon lost. So we're going to read chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat of the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. So this is where everything changes. So we see here, Eve listens to the serpent a little too long. Now, I hope you all don't forget this part. But Eve listens to the serpent a little bit too long. And if you're sitting in here, if you're listening, I pray that you put yourself in this position because it happens to us. It may happen to you today. It may happen to you tomorrow. Satan just wants your ear a little bit longer so that he can get you to do what he wants you to do. She could have been with God in this moment. Had she have been with God, and we're going to get to that here in a second, but had she have been with God in that moment, there is no way that she would have taken a bite out of that apple. There's no way. Uh, Medora and I talked about this on the way to church this morning. You know, it didn't necessarily have to be Adam and Eve that screwed up. They were. It would have happened eventually, probably because of our human condition. Uh, we, you know, the next story after this is Cain and Abel. And Cain kills Abel. Like, humans, we, we, we know, we're, sometimes we're evil. So just think about that for a second. She could have been with God and not ate the apple in that moment. I don't think that's something we think about. But here's where I go to Warner. And this is perfect, and I'm just I'm reading right off my notes here, but but Warner goes, Dad, or like, will it really? And if you notice here in this verse, verses at one through eight, to break it down a little bit, here's what here's what you hear, here's what the serpent, here's what I hear, what the serpent is saying, and he says it to you and I. Did God really say? You won't die. God knows. God knows your heart. 
God knows you're a good person. God can't send good people to hell. Whatever that is for you, doubt creeps in and you lose your guard. And that's exactly what Satan's plan is. So verse 6, hang with me here. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it too. The woman was convinced. She saw, the tr- she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted what the fruit would give her. And this is flesh. I mean, this is nothing but flesh versus spiritual here, guys. Like I said earlier, if she would have been with God, if she would have been you know, in the spiritual, so to speak, and wanting to be with him, she wouldn't have taken a bite. But the flesh got the best of her in this moment. Verse 7, they suddenly felt shame because of their nakedness. Their nakedness did not cause the shame. It was their sin that caused it. I hope you all get that. Their nakedness didn't cause the shame. It was their sin that caused it. It was the sin that separated. Then shame came in. And then verse 8. This is, this is the worst thing, guys. Verse 8, I believe. It says, I'm going to go ahead and read it just because it's important. Then the Lord God, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. God was actually walking around in the garden in a physical body. And I know that I've read this before, but I didn't really pick up on that, I don't think, or forgot it. But God was actually there in the garden walking around, and after they sinned, they hid. And we're still doing this today. God is not physically with us in a physical body right here, but if you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me because I am saved. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you right now if you are saved. And he is with us. So no, God is not physically here, but the Holy Spirit is here. So we have a helper, but they hid. All right, let's go to verses 9 through 19. We're almost done with Genesis. And then the the rest of it won't take as long. Then the Lord God called the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the, to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild, You will crawl on your belly, 
groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And there's significance in that verse, but we're not going get to get to that today. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And the man, and to the man, he said, this is important, guys, the, the men in the church, there were men listening. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grain. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will turn. So to break this up a little bit, Adam, we see, blames the woman. And don't we like to blame others for our sins and our mistakes? We blame the way that we were brought up. We, we do anything to cast blame except for taking ownership of ourselves and our situation and what the Lord wants to do in our life. Verse 13, Eve admits that the serpent deceived her. And that's where it's got to start, guys. You have to admit to God that you have fallen short, Christian and non-Christian alike. It was the flesh that made her eat the apple. It wasn't God. It was her own free will. It looked delicious, and she just wanted it. Verses 16, we see uh, pregnancy is going to be painful. Uh, my wife uh, was too late to get an epidural with the third one, and uh, you can ask her. She was a little bit loud. And... Uh, and I, I don't say that to be funny, really, but, I mean, it was, I was praying like, Lord, just keep her alive, because I can see every vein in her entire body, like, popping out right now. So, is childbirth painful? Anybody? Any women out here? Childbirth painful? You can thank, uh, you can thank Adam and Eve for that. But, but that, you know, sin brought upon consequences, okay? And let's drive this point home here. Because they sinned, sin brought bad things, bad consequences into the world. Um, some consequences can last longer than others. Jesus can cover a multitude of sins. There's nothing that he can't cover, but things that we do in this life can have earthly consequences, some for our entire life. So let's not forget about that. So verse 17, and this is very important, God talks directly to Adam. So I already said this, but if you are a man in this church, if you are, uh, if you are not married yet, uh, and you are, a, you are a guy in this church, or a young man, or if you're listening on, online, this is for you. And I'm going to break verse 17 down. It says, since you listened to your wife and ate of what I commanded you not to eat from, the ground is cursed because of you. That is Adam. It, putting myself in that situation, that would be TJ. 
that would be Chris. If it would have been us in that situation, it would have been our fault. And some of y'all may say, well, you know, why is that important? Men, we have a God-given authority, duty, and commandment to bring up our sons and daughters in the way of the Lord. And, you know, it is no wonder that we have such a problem in America. Because there are so many kids that do not have a father. And if they have a father, they are not fathering them. If they are, if they are fathering them, they're, te- they're teaching them the ways of the, lo- the, ways of the world. Yeah. And it's even worse. Because there are Christian fathers, myself included sometimes, we don't bring our kids up in the way of the Lord. And it is on your shoulders. It is on your shoulders. There would be nothing worse to me. I really don't, I mean, my number one goal is to see my children saved. Period. Period. I mean, i got a lot of other goals and dreams and everything else, and by God's grace, I, I strive to meet them, and I believe that it's what the Lord wants me to do, but Nothing else matters, really. I mean, we're, we all are going to face eternity. And by the way, it's not, guys, men, it's not just a duty and a command to bring up your sons and daughters in the ways of your Lord, in the ways of the Lord. It's also your wives, too. Okay? And wives, give me some grace here. But wives, forgive, forgive us. Forgive me. But let us lead. Let us lead. And that's hard for some people. That, that's, that's very hard. As a man, this should be our number one goal. And it rests on our shoulders. But God will give us what we need, like he gave Adam in the garden. And we're going we're gonna to see how or why and, and how that works in a minute. And then verse 19, by the sweat of your brow, I'm going to break it down a little bit. It says, by the sweat of your brow. Now we have to work for things like food. When we weed eat, yellow jackets can sting us. That's for Brian back there. Uh, Last year we were weed eating here, and man, them things are from Satan, I'll tell you. I mowed a lot uh, when I first started to drive, so from like 16 to 20 or so, I mowed a whole lot. Uh, if you look at my wife's hand, that, that I paid cash for her ring, by the way, and uh, had a few yellow jacket stings because of it. But when a yellow jacket would sting me, I would, I'd want to tell them where to go back to, I'll be honest. Uh, but, you know, when it's 95 degrees, and those of you all who've weed-eated and mowed and got stung by a yellow jacket or a wasp, it, it is no fun. But, you know, God taught me a lesson in those moments. When it was 98 degrees out, 100% humidity, and I got stung by a yellow jacket or whatever else happened during that day, because Adam and Eve, sin was brought into the world, and now there's consequences, and even we have to face them, like things like that, you know, things of this world. But you know what? I would be, I would be thankful. I would mow, and I would say, God, thank you that I can walk. 
Thank you that I can see. Thank you that I have the mind to be able to do this. It may not be what I want to do right now, but you know what? This is what you have for me, so I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it well. And I, I just think that's an important lesson. I hope that touches somebody by, that, by what I said. But, you know, we've still got to have money. Like I said earlier, you know, it, it's, 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 a, it's a necessity of our life. Before the fall, Adam and Eve could have just spent time in fellowship with God, period. I'll say that again. Before the fall, Adam and Eve could have just spent time in fellowship with God, period. If there was work to be done, it wouldn't have felt like work. But because of what they did, sin had consequences, and now we're dealing with them today. And then we see, too, death is introduced. You see, prior to this, they would have lived eternally. They would have never have died. The tree of life was in the garden. And as long as they didn't eat of this, they would have lived forever. They would have never died, but now death is introduced. Everybody still with me? I hope so. I apologize. This is taking a little bit longer, but I hope it's hitting home to everybody. All right, chapter 3, verses 20 through 24. And then we're, we're basically done with the scripture today. So it should go faster. So verses 20 through 24 of chapter 3. Then the man Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Then the Lord God said, Look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take the fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So even though they sinned, even though they fell short, God still showed compassion on them, and God made them clothing. He made them clothing. He gave them clothing. And God didn't just say, you know, you're an idiot. Boot them out of the Garden of Eden and just leave them. And he won't leave you that way either. Even if you've messed up a lot. Even if you've came to the altar a million times asking for forgiveness of something that you still struggle with. God is never going to give you the boot. He still cared for them. And God still provided for them, and he'll still provide for you. In verse 22, we see, If they eat the fruit from the tree of life, they will live forever. Because of sin, God couldn't allow it. God could not allow them to be where he ordained them to be in paradise because he's a holy God. If God says, don't do something, and we do it anyway, he is a holy God, and he will not allow us to stay in that God-ordained position wherever that is at that time. Well, can he bring us back? Absolutely. But he could not allow it, so he kicks them out of the Garden of Eden. He sent them away to cultivate the ground from which, which Adam had been made. So that's most of the scripture here. Uh, 
Let me pray real fast. I know it's weird. I'm going to stop in the middle of this, but let, let's pray real fast, and then we'll, we'll continue on. Lord, I just pray that uh, everybody's still with me here. Lord, that you would continue to give me the anointing. Lord, that you would continue to keep our ears and eyes open. Father, that we would sit on the edge of our seat, that we would be expectant. And Lord, I just pray that uh, your will would be done in this place and that you would change lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we see Adam and Eve were in paradise. They lost it for themselves and everyone after them. They lost it for us. They had it made. They had all the food they wanted. They were naked all the time. Anybody? Anybody like to be naked all the time? It'd be weird now, but it would have been cool then because there was no shame. So they were told to multiply and to reign over the land and the animals. They had everlasting life. And the most amazing thing that they had was their fellowship with God. God was physically in the garden with them, walking with them, talking with them. I mean, I, just think about that for a second. We thankfully have something that Adam and Eve didn't have after they sinned. His name is Jesus. Jesus is our tree of life. The one that Adam and Eve were banished from. They were banished from, banished from that tree of life. But now we have it. The tree of life is now back for all of us to be able to partake in. So, you know, Jesus, his fruit, so to speak, it never runs out for us. And we know this, guys. But I need to remind you of that. The bread, his body, and the blood that was provided for us is, is everlasting for us. John 14, 16 says, Jesus told, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So Jesus gives us the, everla the everlasting life back that Adam and Eve had in the garden before they sinned. But it doesn't end here. And this is where it gets very important. There is way more to this than just salvation. We can have paradise back on earth now. I'll say that again. We can have paradise back now on earth. Hear me out here. We can get back to a place where God provides all that we need. Most importantly, the shameless fellowship with Him. When they sinned, they realized they were naked, and then they felt shame. It was the sin that caused the shame. It was not their nakedness. So God can get us back to a point, even as Christians, maybe some of us have been Christians forever, and we need to have shameless fellowship with God. So here's the question today, and this is where we start, you know, breaking it down and making it practical for our life. How can we not make the same mistake that Adam and Eve did? Because the human condition, like I said earlier, it's not changed. And number one, you guys are going to know what it is, or hopefully you do. Jesus has to be number one, period. By that I mean we've got to be saved. Without him, we don't have access to the Father, like Adam and Eve did. And we don't have the 
Holy Spirit living inside of us who's our helper, our guide, and our power giver. And I'll say that again. We don't have the Holy Spirit unless we have Jesus and salvation. And the Holy Spirit is our helper. He is our guide. And he is the one who gives us power. My wife just talked about dry bones up here. If your bones are dry, you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life. Because he lives in you. If you are saved, he lives in you. So let's continue. The second thing, and this one has a stipulation on it, okay? The second thing is this. We're going to skip over to this, and if you all want to turn to your Bibles in, the, in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, if you want to turn to your Bibles there, and I think they're going to put that one up on the screen. Awesome. Man, they're good. <clears throat> So Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and you can just leave it up on there, guys, uh, from the direct, for the duration of this. This is what we're going to focus on, and it's in the NLT. Awesome. Sorry if there's Baptist listening. I'm not reading from the King James Version, and I'm not going to burn in hell. So anyway, that's a whole other story. I, I say that to be funny, but if I offended you, I'm sorry. Don't be so religious. So, <laughs> oh man, things I say up here sometimes. All right, let's read this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Okay? So we were done with Adam and Eve for a little bit. This is about you. This is about you, or wherever you're watching, whatever camera angle is hitting me. This is about you all in the room. This is about me, okay? Now I'm going to read it again. Seek the, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. So, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Number one, we have to do that. Number two that we have to do is live righteously. That's me. That's you. I have to seek the kingdom of God above all else, and I have to live righteously. You have to seek the kingdom of God above all else, and you have to live righteously. And what's the rest of it say? And he will give you everything that you need. Adam and Eve... They had all the freedom that they wanted. They had no shame. They had complete fellowship with God. And here's what I'm telling you, and I'm not going to call each and every one of you by name, but I am, in my spirit, this is, this is to every single person in this room, every single person listening. God wants you to have the freedom that Adam and Eve had before they sinned. Adam, God wants you to have no shame like Adam and, Eve, Adam and Eve had before they sinned. And he wants you to have complete fellowship with himself. You can have the paradise on earth. We must seek the kingdom of God above all else. And we must live righteously. 
because if we don't do both of those things, we're not going to have it. We're not going to have the freedom. We're not going to have no shame. And we're for sure not going to have complete fellowship with God. So let, let's, we're going to break this down a little bit. So just hang tight with me. I know this is a lot, uh, but we're going to continue. God wants to bring us back to the garden with him where we are in fellowship with him and where he is providing all that we need. And we've talked about this. There's a stipulation, something that depends on you. The Holy Spirit will help you, but you have to make the decision. And this is where free will comes back in. He is a gentleman. God does not have a thumb that he presses down on us. He is not that kind of a God. He gives us the decision to do what we want. If we're saved, we have the decision to do what we want. If we're saved, we obviously do. If we're not saved, we obviously do. But he's not going to press us and make you and make me seek him and his kingdom above all else. And he's not going to make us live righteously. That depends on you. The Holy Spirit will help. He no doubt about it, will take you where you need to be right to the edge of your breakthrough or right to the edge of where you need to be, but you have to be the one to step. He will not step for you, and he will not make your leg go forward. It's got to be you. So let's continue. We must seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. You're going to hear this a lot. Am I doing that? Are you doing that? I'm not saying that you are perfect or I am perfect. But am I striving for those two things? Are you striving for those two things? To seek the kingdom of God above all else and to live righteously. Do I think that I'm going to you know, live perfectly and have no sin for the rest of my life? No, I don't. Does that give me an excuse to do it? Absolutely not. Do I have generational sin that I still struggle with today? Thank God I don't. But I'm not stupid enough to think that if I don't seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, that I can't go right back into that trap. So let's continue. We will be just like Eve if we aren't very careful. Careful every single day. Careful with every single breath that we breathe. This can seem daunting, but the Holy Spirit is here to help. Guys, you all hear, you know, you hear Jay, uh, for those listening, you know, our head pastor here. When did you get saved? He says this morning. That doesn't make sense. Well, he makes a decision every single day to live for God. And that's what we have to do. So... We see that the woman was convinced earlier in Genesis. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted what it would give her. You know, we're a lot like this. We want the instant gratification of, of the sin or we want the instant gratification of the good 
whatever it may be. In, the mom, in that moment, we're not thinking about God and what it could do between our relationship and God. The world has all kinds of fruit for us served up on a silver platter, and it says to us, did God really say you won't die? God knows. God knows your heart. Doubt creeps in and we lose our guard. Or we don't listen to the Holy Spirit and eventually walk right into the slaughter. I'm going to say that again. That's a little harsh, but it needs to be today. Doubt creeps in and you lose your guard. Or you don't listen to the Holy Spirit and eventually walk right into the slaughter. I don't have it. Uh, but it, it's actually back there. I didn't want the distractions. But, Chris, where's your phone? I'm going to pretend that I know how to use an Android for a second because Chris is a weird guy and he doesn't have an iPhone. But anyway, we'll, we'll pray for him later. But there is a lot on this device. Would you all agree? Is there a lot of good and a lot of evil? I personally struggled with this. It's been years, but I have, okay? And I'm going to give you just a little, uh, a little example of what this was for me. Have my phone, doing whatever, uh, because I lived so many years in it and it held me. And, and it, it had me in chains even when I was saved, I would struggle. And this is when I was married, this is before I was married. Uh, you know, it started way before I was married, carried into marriage. There are things on here, guys, that aren't good, okay? So that's all I'm going to go into. But I'm on Fox News, or I'm reading something about hunting, or whatever it may be, and I'm being completely transparent here, and I don't care. I'd get the urge to, to do something on here that I shouldn't, okay? To, to, eat, to, eat the, to eat the fruit, all right? The Holy Spirit's like, TJ, turn it off. So I'd turn it off. Then I'd get back on Fox News or whatever it may be. And would you know something would pop up? Hey, TJ, eat the fruit, eat the fruit. The Holy Spirit told me not to do it, but now I'm not listening. Now I'm going too far in. Now I'm into something that I shouldn't be. That is my example. Every single person in this room, you have an example like that. And some of you have been living maybe your whole Christian life with exactly what I'm talking about there. I'm not saying that specific sin. And it doesn't have to be sin, remember. It can be something good, too. So let's continue. Many times Christians sin and we try to hide from God like Adam and Eve. This is exactly what the serpent wants you to do. You see, we sin and then we have the shame. And that's when we, that's when we hide from God. And that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. When, when I was eating of that sinful fruit, I want somebody to raise their hand 
if they believe that God could have used me like that he wanted to use me in that very moment. He couldn't do it. God could not have used me in that moment like God would would wanted to because I was partaking of what I shouldn't have. Better yet, Satan just wants us to live in perpetual eating of the sinful fruit so that we don't have time, or even worse, we don't even have the desire to seek the kingdom of God above all else. I'll read that part again. Satan just wants us to live in perpetual eating of the sinful fruit so that we don't have time or the desire to seek the kingdom of God above all else. Satan knows if we don't seek, we definitely won't be righteous. You see, if we're not seeking the kingdom of God, there's no way that we're going to be righteous. There's no way that we're going to live righteously. It can't happen. So as long as we're eating, Satan is 100% happy about it. And this is the part of the message where I believe, guys, that he didn't want it to be spoken. But we're speaking it today, and I know that it's hitting hearts today. Just keep anointing it, Father. Keep our hearts open. So Satan wants us to stay in sin. Now, we're not going to get into this, and we could do a whole series, and uh, I'd really, really have to dig in a lot. But here's what I'm, here's, I'm talking to Christians right now. So if you're a non-Christian, you can, uh, you can listen to this, because one day you may be in this boat. I pray that you're not. But, I'm not necessarily saying you will or you won't go to heaven. I'm not really saying this is necessarily a a salvation issue here. But if my nan is listening uh, from Kentucky or if she listens later, uh, she has a saying that, uh, you know, you may barely make it into heaven, but you'll be scrubbing toilets. I don't know about you all, but I don't want to really scrub toilets. Uh, we won't get into a poop discussion, but I wonder if poop stinks in heaven. It probably can't, but anyway, that's a whole other thing, Chris. Max would be appreciative of that, wouldn't he? Hopefully he listens to that later. But there's, there's just too much at stake to live our life like, well, I got Jesus, but I've got sin too but I'm still going to make it in. There's way too much at stake. So let's continue, guys. You all still with me? Where'd Anthony go? He said if it was longer than 30 minutes, he was out. I think he's serious, though. Anyway. Oh, there you are. Love you, brother. Pray for me, man. (laughs) So sin. Sin is the bad things. This is what separates us from God and introduces shame. We've hit that a couple times here. But this is what we always talk about. I'm going to move around a little bit. Sin is what we, you know, it's what we, it's what we cry about. It's what we, this is, this is the only thing that we believe separates us from God is the sin. This is what we condemn ourselves over, which God doesn't want us to be that way. We should never condemn ourselves. We should run to the Father. We should ask for forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We should ask the Holy Spirit to help, right? 
We don't want to do it again. We should ask God, help us to seek the kingdom of God above all else and help us to live righteously. And sorry, God, you know, I'm human. This is what we condemn other Christians about. Oh, Chris, did you see them, man? They went to the bar last night and they had a drink and, man, they are just, they're terrible. Can you believe that they would do that? I mean, that's where we are, guys. We condemn ourselves, we condemn others. And here's the one that I don't understand. And man, I, I hope there are some religious folks listening to this today. And I don't mean that in a good way. But I pray the Lord changes them. We want to condemn the world because of their sinning. They don't know any better, guys. They don't know Jesus. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have God. They for sure don't read the word. And if they did, they don't believe it. So, I mean, this is the thing where, oh, yeah, that sin, man, that sin, that sin, that's what separates us from God. May I say, this is just as bad. This says good. This says good. And I pray that I'll never forget this moment and that you all will never forget this moment, whether you're here or on, on, online. Good is just as bad. Well, what do you mean by that, TJ? Shouldn't we do good? Absolutely, we should do good. But what this means is, this is anything that you put before God. Any idol that you have in your life. This is anything that just consumes your mind more than seeking God and seeking the kingdom. We love to talk about this. We've not really thought about that. We've not really thought about the good. So let's break this down just a little bit more. What is the first thing that you think about when you wake up? Maybe for you it's sin. Maybe for you it's good. Maybe for you it's God. How much do you think about God? What consumes your thoughts? Is there anything that you put above God? An idol? What do you spend most of your time doing? How often do you rest and just spend time with God? I skipped over a chapter in Genesis, and we're not going to go to it and read it word for word, but in Genesis chapter 2, God rested on the seventh day. Some of us think that we don't have to. My gosh, if God himself rested on the seventh day, you need to rest. Period. You need a nap every now and again. Wife. And Jesus, he's a great example too. If you guys read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, Jesus constantly, constantly would get away. He would leave everything and everybody. He would get away, and it would be him and God. So if Jesus and God, if, if that's a requirement of theirs, it should be a requirement of ours. So how often do you rest and just spend time with God? 
What examples are you putting out there for your children to see? What examples are you putting out there for your grandchildren to see? What examples are you putting out there for your children to see? Or, I'm sorry, for your friends to see? And what about the unsaved? I think the, un, I mean, the, the, the unsaved, they're just as important as your children or your grandchildren or your friends. Are, you all, are we any different than the world is? And for some of us, and I said this a little bit the, the last time, but for some of us, this may be our husband. This may be our wife. I've got it on the good side. This may be our children. This may be activities that you all do, that you allow your children to do. Have you prayed? Have you sought God? Have you asked God, hey, should we do this or should we do that? Or should we not? Because if he says no, there is something better. And this is where guys and the men of the church and myself, we need to get much better at it. But we need to pray and seek God and do, do what we're talking about here. Because there's a lot of things, guys, that are good that we do that we shouldn't be doing. A lot. And some may say, well, you know, my kid's going to be an athlete and they're going to make it to the majors and... You know, I've got to do this or that, and I'm not, you know, th this, is, this is just an example that I have that is in my spirit, but for you it may be something different. But maybe that's, that, that's in, that'd be cool to the world, right? Man, if Max was a pro baseball player, man, that would be awesome. Uh, and if it's God's will, let it be so. But are we praying about that? Or are we just, yep, Max is a good baseball player, so he's going to play. Let's think about those things, guys. So what is it for you guys? An, an example like that, what is it for you all? So I'm going to give a fast example. I'm not going to embellish the whole story. But, you know, I love, I love to deer hunt. If there's any uh, PETA people in here, I'm sorry. I do kill animals and I do eat them. So that's for my boy down south. Uh, in South Carolina listen to this message I know he's pumped right now but uh, this is my passion in all seriousness outside of God this is what I like to do obviously my family but like as far as a hobby I have one thing and this is it I like to hunt I don't golf I don't do anything else uh, sorry dad but I don't even like playing cornhole anymore because I just get mad why well, do something if it's going to make you mad that's where I am in life. Uh, I'm a competitive guy, so if I can't win, I don't really want to play. So anyway, Lord, help me with my pride. So this is it for me. And this is where it gets serious, guys. I love to hunt. But does this get in the way of me seeking the kingdom of God? Do my kids think that I love God way more than I love my hobby? Do they see me seeking God like I seek out my hobby? It shouldn't even be close. It shouldn't be. Not anywhere near it. And I asked, I asked, I mean, Medora and I were talking about this a little bit. Typically, I don't let her know anything I'm doing up here just because I don't like, like to. But uh, not that I'm trying to hide something. It's just something weird I've got. But 
Uh, she said, yeah, they would. But she's like, you know, she said, sometimes, you know, you, like, for example, you know, we read our Bibles when the kids are sleeping, which those with young kids, I mean, you all understand that. I mean, when they wake up, it's kind of hard to do some things sometimes, like read the Word. But we've got to be very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Conscious, con- conscious of how we live our Christian walk. It needs to be in front of our children. And it needs to be in front of, of other people. It needs to be in front of the unsaved people. I mean, no shadow of doubt, what does your daddy like to do? They would all say that, that he loves to hunt. But they also need to know, you know what? My daddy loves to read the word. My daddy loves to pray. My daddy loves Jesus. And that should, this, whatever, it, whatever this is for you all, it should, look, it should be nowhere near. Nowhere near what they, they know that your love of God and your seeking of God and the kingdom and your living righteously is compared to your hobby. Only you can evaluate your good things. Don't trick yourself by saying, well, I'm not sinning. The Lord gave that to me this morning as I was, as I was listening. I'll say that one again. Only you can evaluate what your good things are. Don't trick yourself by saying, well, I'm not sinning. You see, it may not be adultery or pornography or drunkenness or you pick the sin. You've got things in your mind right now. Maybe it's something you struggle with right now today. It may not be that. It may be something good and it's a sin. Well, what do you mean, man? You're crazy. Matthew 20, just so you don't think I'm crazy, this is Jesus. And by the way, everything we've read today uh, in Matthew's Jesus. So don't take my word for it. Matthew 22, verse 37 says, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. We're not following God like we should if we're pursuing the good things more than we're pursuing the Father and more than we're pursuing living righteously. So let's continue, guys. You all still with me? I've asked that a lot. Um, It's speaking to me. I hope it's speaking to you all. We must seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. If we seek the kingdom, it will produce righteous living. Then God will give you everything you need. I said it a little bit earlier, but this is a daily choice. You see, if we seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, God will not have to clean up our mess. Do you all understand that? He won't have to make us clothes to put on. Like he did with Adam and Eve. If we seek him and live righteously, he won't have to clean up our mess. We will have, you will have all the power that you need from the Holy Spirit. And you will have no shame. God is talking about you. 
in Matthew 6.33 here. It's not us or we. This is you. You see that? And he will give you everything that you need. You can't do it for your kids. Your mom and dad can't do it for you. Jesus can't even do it for you. We have to each make a personal decision to seek the kingdom of God above all else. If we decide to, though, it will have an everlasting impact on those that we are around and love. John 14, 12 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. I'm going to read that one again. John 14, 12. I tell you the truth, Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Does anybody believe that? That we will do greater works? Matthew 9, verse 21. Chris, I hope this is said of me one day and of you and of everybody sitting in this place. You know, we call this place the house of miracles, our church. We call it the house of miracles. May this be said of the Pulse Winfield and everybody that comes through these doors and us individually. Matthew 9, verse 21, it says, For she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. I'll read that again. Matthew 9, 21, For she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Chris, Carl, Jay, uh, I could name every single one of you by name. Chris, for she thought, if I can just touch your robe, I will be healed. Jay, for she thought, if I can just touch your robe, I will be healed. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, it lives in us. And guys, if we don't make a decision to be differently, John 14 verse 12 will never come true. We will not do the same works that Jesus did, but we have that available to us. The paradise that Jesus had within himself that he brought to this earth, we can also bring that same paradise. It's not because of us. It's all because of him. Why don't we see this though? Why do we not see us doing greater things than what Jesus did? And it's simple and hopefully that I could get, hopefully I could give anybody the mic and they would say, "Well, PJ, we don't seek the kingdom of God above all else and we don't live righteously." That's it. Jesus isn't, he's not a liar. You know, if G Jesus said what he said, he said, I'll tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Anybody think Jesus is a liar? I don't. His promise is true. His promise was, was, was for then and it is for now and it is, it is for eternity. We don't see it because we don't, we don't do our part through the Holy Spirit. We don't take that step. The problem is this, and we're getting to the we're getting to the uh, getting towards the end here, and, and the altar call, if the Lord leads so. 
So the problem is this. Some of us didn't know any better, saved or unsaved. Maybe we've never heard this verse. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. But you're responsible now. We've all heard it now. Uh, people listening, people here, people listening to it later, you've heard the word of God. Now you're responsible. A lot of us don't care. We've got Jesus. We've got our ticket. But our bones are dry. Some of us are set in our ways and 100% unchangeable due to our decision to be that way. Now I'm going to step on some toes here maybe by some comments that I'm making, but know that I love you. But I am not going to get up here and not say what God laid on my heart. So, you know, I love you. I want to be your friend. Uh, but we're going to speak the truth from this pulpit. I'm not going to go to heaven one day and God said, hey man, you held back just so that somebody may not be mad or whatever. You know, we're, we're past all that stuff. So I'll say that again. A lot of us don't care. We've got Jesus. We've got our ticket. But our bones are dry. Some of us are set in our ways and 100% unchangeable due to our own decision to be that way. Some of us come through the doggone church door already with the attitude in our heart, in our mind, and in our soul that we're going to walk out the same daggone way that we came in. And that is an absolute shame. Give us hearts, God, that are pliable and that you can mold. Some of us don't believe the whole word of God. I'm talking about Christians here. I've already said a little bit of this earlier, but the world shouldn't believe the word of God. The Bible goes against the world, yet we think very worldly because we aren't seeking. What do you mean by that, TJ? We are Christians, guys, but a lot of us think just like the world thinks. And that, that's, that's not good. Our family, our friends, the unsaved world around us, we should be weird. Like I said earlier, I'm weird, you know, and I'm okay with that. We should be. Jesus was. They hung him on the cross. We should not think like the world thinks. Is there good things that the world has? Yes. But our, the way we live our life, this should be the ultimate say right here. This is the ultimate say, period. Does the world have good things that we can learn from? Absolutely. But if, this, if it does not line up with this right here, guys, then we, we shouldn't listen. We shouldn't listen to it. The Bible right here is our God and the Holy Spirit telling us what certain things mean, bringing things to memory. We have got to be in the word of God. In regards to Matthew 6.33 specifically, we doubt that God will actually give us all that we need. Or we don't believe it to the degree where we ask God to change our mind. We think that we know better than the Word or, or, or God. Some of us are still in chains of sin. We're so engulfed in sin that we are hiding from God and don't believe that things can ever change. 
we think we are stuck in sin and there is no way out. That is the way that I lived forever. I mean, many years. I'm 34. Am I 34? Yeah. Medora remembers these things for me. I'm 34. I was probably 12 or 13 when I first delve in. And I was probably, I don't know, mid-20s. Mid-20s or so when the Lord finally delivered me. And I can tell you guys right now, I had shame. Okay? It's not what God wants. It's exactly what Satan wants. God still gave me clothes. He didn't kick me to the curb, but it wasn't a great place to be. Some of us simply like the apple more than we want to seek God. I'm okay just to make it to heaven. I ask Jesus to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life, but I am comfortable just riding the fence. That's not a good place to be either. We have to make a decision. There is no riding the fence here. It is time to choose whether or not you're going to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And then watch God provide everything that you need. Or instead, just eat the fruit. Are we going to leave this place unchanged and, and go do the same old, same old? Today is the, today is the day to decide. And I personally am going to seek. Some of us that have allowed good things to get in the way of seeking God need to repent. I'll say that again, but this is, these, are, these are questions to you guys in the audience. This is, these are questions to myself and those listening. And only you all can answer these individually. And we're wrapping up here, guys. Some of us that have allowed good things I'm going to say that again. Some of us that have allowed good things to get in the way of seeking God need to repent. The good things. Some of us just, we need salvation. We currently don't have Christ living, you know, we, we've not asked Christ to come into our heart. We don't have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have not allowed the blood that was shed on Calvary to cover our sins and to change our life. Some of us need our bones to come alive and to put to death our stubborn or religious ways. Some of us need healing of our mind. Some of us, like Eve, need to fess up and tell God what we did and ask for forgiveness in turn. Some of us need to repent to God as husband and wife. Listen up here. This is another serious moment. Some of us need to repent to God as husband and wife. Some husbands need to repent to God and their wives. Some wives need to repent to God and their husbands. I feel like this is a word and that, you know, some may not like, but... Once again, I don't care. It's what the Lord wants me to say, and I believe it with all my heart. If you notice back in Genesis, it says, God says it is not good for man to be alone, so he created a woman to be a helper, one just right for him. 
and I highlighted that part in bold, one just right for him. We have the worldly mentality, and it's rampant in the church as well. Well, if this one doesn't work out, then there's another one. When Medora and I got married, I didn't go into it at all believing that, well, if this don't work out, then there's another one for me. The Bible says one just right for him. So there is one. There is one. But see, this goes back to our part and what we have to do. Okay? If both man, and I'm talking about right now, I'm talking about the folks that are married in this room. I'm talking about the folks that are listening. If both man and wife are seeking the kingdom of God above all else and living righteously, I don't believe for a second that they can or will be separated by anything but death. God will provide them with everything that they need. What do you mean, TJ? You're talking a bunch of crazy crap. Adultery, there's no place for it, men or women. If you both are seeking God with all your heart and living righteously, individually and as a couple, it's not going to happen. Tell me, tell me how it can. And this is no condemnation whatsoever. Some in this room are divorced. My parents are. And thank God, God works all out for our good. But you could ask them. He had to clean up our mess. He worked all things out. That's what he does. He doesn't kick us to the curb. He still gives us clothes. He still takes care of us. But if we seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, there's no room for that crap. Period. And here's where, here's where the props come out. Some of you are like, man, what's he going to do? Is he going to like chop the altar in half or what but for those of you who aren't awake you may want to wake up now so I don't know if I'm going to be able to put these safety glasses on or not but I worked at Granger for a couple years so I, ever since then I'm serious about personal protective equipment those people that have worked in plants you all can appreciate that so these look dumb and I know they do but I don't care because I hope you all never forget this. Remember that time TJ was dumb and he got up there and was a, he had a wood maul and a shovel? But this is, I'm dead serious about what I'm getting ready to say and I hope my mic stays on and I'm not going to get crazy with this thing. But put simply, speaking of the sin and the good, the good things that we put above God. There's a tree that this fruit grows from. 
and some of us, spiritually speaking, and physically, if you need to get a little bit violent, not, now is not the time, but spiritually speaking will be the time, but you can't have them all up here and like chop the altar in half, but uh, we can wait till everybody leaves, and if you want to do that, we can do that one-on-one -on -one later, but some of you need to get this out. There's a tree that is attached to you, attached to the roots that you have, and you need to get the daggone mall out and you need to chop the stupid thing down. The tree actually maybe has been growing in your family for generations. And I ask, if it doesn't stop with you, then is it going to get passed to your children? And are they going to pass it to their children? And are they going to pass it to their children? Guys, and I'm not even going to talk to the women right now, but guys, I don't know about you, but chopping wood, it's fun. But sometimes, man, that tree, it's just so good. But we need to get this, and we need to chop the stupid tree down. And this is going to seem a little bit morbid, and I didn't know if I was going to go here, but I feel led to. But I've got a shovel now in my hand. We had a dog that died. Uh, the kids were their grandparents, and uh, we had the baby, and we came home, and there'd been a there'd been a bad thunderstorm, and I, man, I hope, this is going to paint a picture that I hope y'all never forget. And I'm not. I'm doing what I'm feeling. I know the Lord wants me to say this, so just be, bear with me here. We came home. The dog was dead. It was obviously not a good time. It was raining out. I don't know why he couldn't have picked a sunny day to die, but anyway, the daggone dog, it was raining. But I, I say that to be funny, but Finn was a great dog. Uh, only dog we had. I mean, he was our baby until Addie came along, and then he kind of got, he, he wasn't our baby anymore, but don't talk to Susan about that. That'll get her out up. But we came home. We walked in the door just to paint the picture. And uh, he, always greets, he always greeted us at the door. So Medora and I walk in. We've got Tucker. And thank God had mercy and the kids weren't home because they were obviously taking it real hard, I'm sure. But he didn't greet us. So I look at him. We baby gate him in, for those of you all been at our house, you know, to the mudroom area or whatever, and he was just laying in the laundry room, and I'm like, oh, this isn't good. So I, like, look at him, look away, I'm like, this isn't good, this isn't normal, I look, and he's not breathing. So anyway, not going into all the details between, you know, then and, and, and then, then outside, but I carry his body outside, get a shovel, and I proceed to dig we got the baby to sleep, I think, and then we both go out, and she's bawling her eyes out, of course, I'm crying a little bit, and, uh, you know, bury the dog, and we, I, I put him in two trash bags, I didn't know what to do, I've never buried an animal before, and I, I tell you all this in, in all respect to the dog, but in all seriousness to your tree that you just chopped chop down. I put two bags 
over him. He was a little guy. He was like 20 pounds. A, 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 a schnauzer poodle. So I put one trash bag one way, one trash bag the other, and then we wrap him up in an old blanket. And finally, after I got the hole dug, we, let him, we laid him down in there, and I started to cover him up. That's exactly what you all need to do with the tree that you need to chop down. You need to bury the stupid thing in the ground. Nothing in my earthly being wants to dig him back up, especially soon after. You see, and that's what Satan will do. We'll defeat sin or defeat sin for a season, but because we didn't bury it, because we're not seeking God, because we're not living righteously, we go out in the yard and we dig it back up. And then it gets root. And then it starts to grow again. Bury your sin and do not dig it back up, for goodness sakes. And then here's the last one, and I don't know exactly how this is going to go, but uh, I can go ahead and take these off, I guess. I don't need it for this part. And then here's the last example that I have, and we're about to close. Some of us, we chopped the tree down a long time ago. But man, we just held on to a souvenir. We chopped the tree down, we buried it, it's long and gone. But you know what? My gosh, I just, I just couldn't get rid of it all the way. I had to keep a little souvenir. I didn't get completely rid of it. And guys, some of us, this is where we are. We've got this little bit left that we just cannot get rid of. We've got to get rid of it. There's no place for it. I'm going to hold on to this just for a second. I don't know what to do with it yet. But I ask, which tree are you going to choose to eat from? Are you going to eat from the tree of life? Or are you going to eat from the tree that ultimately takes us further away from God, takes us away from his power, and takes us into worldly things? Band, if y'all want to come up, getting ready to close here. I'll go ahead and move some of this stuff out of the way in case anybody wants to come up and pray here in a second. Please don't be touching the mall. Chris will tackle you if you do. Which tree are you going to choose to eat from? If y'all are just going to play lightly, Wally.
And I have one more, one more verse to read. You don't have to turn. But the question today is this. Are you going to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and trust that God will give you all that you need? And here's one last word from Jesus before, before we close this morning. It is in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. I'll say it again. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. The choice is your all's today. Some of you all, you need to chop the tree down this morning, or if you're listening. And some of you need to pull the last piece of fruit out of your pocket or out of that place of your bedroom where you hide stuff that God knows already where, where it is and what it is. And you need to take it. Brody, heads up. You need to take your last piece of fruit and you need to chuck it against the wall. go ahead and pray Lord thank you for your word today Lord no doubt and it's not because of me but it's all because of you it is because your word it is because of what you ordained today can be the day of change today can be the day of change for us individually for our church for the world around us Jesus you already provided the sacrifice God you willingly gave Holy Spirit you already live in us if we're Christians and those of us that are not you want to save us today but this is where the decision comes down to what we're going to do. Are we going to continue to allow sin and good things to separate us from you? Or are we going to follow? Are we going to seek the kingdom of God above all other things and live righteously and believe that you will provide everything that we need so Lord I just pray right now in this place Lord that if you want someone or many to come to the altar that they would do it Lord I'm going to be up here myself I don't want to do the things that I used to do or be stupid it is time to be serious Lord God Lord those that are listening right now at their home God 
Father, do a work right there, right where they are. Lord, even if this is recorded, do it right now. Lord, drop them to their knees, Father. May we repent and may we seek the kingdom of God first and live righteously. Today is a day of change. It's our decision, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray.